0: Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht im Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Master, Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen.
1: Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show, because um, it's kind of seven-ish, you know. I mean, we're not too hung up on time, but hey, if you're a stickler for it, yes, we are officially late. But not as late as some people, we might say. But there you go, that can wait for later. I'm Stanford Chidge, of course, and joining me on... uh. This evening's show, I have to say, JK, a week is a very long time in football, mate. You think about what we were talking about and where we were in our heads last Friday. What a week.
0: We were joyous and we then went down into a world of depression and uh, greed and idiocy and uh, vile emotion and then plucked back onto, away from the precipice into um, a rather sweet um, love fest. Of all of us coming together and uh, and hugging, metaphorically, um, in our hatred for the uh, the idiocy um, that the club got up to during that uh, those couple of days, and it was absolutely idiotic. And uh, uh, no apology, not surprised in the slightest, because it's business after all, and they just deal with business. So, uh, um, but having said that, I'd be intrigued to see what they would do, rather than the the strange, rather pathetic attempts at um at appeasing the fans that the uh, uh that the other clubs managed to put out but can I just say that the the um the demonstration the how many people a thousand people was phenomenal and I'm ashamed that I wasn't there because I had the opportunity well, to be there. I'm so, so sadly
1: really... like I couldn't be either would you like to introduce our guests
0: uh, I don't know who they are who have we got on tonight oh uh, I've, I've, it's the, I'm so sorry it's the uh um, it's the uh, another brain. Everybody who comes on this show is a brain with wit. We are, and, uh, we
1: are the well, they are the brains of an otherwise no-brain outfit.
0: Exactly, you and me were right. just a couple of swells. You know, that's. <laughs> so Let's a all of
1: go scrubs. down the strand, have a banana. Have a banana. Um,
0: Mr. Martin Wickham,
2: yay! Not North on I think. <it's, laughs> oh, no, and after, and after what you were saying, you just kind of three words came to me: power, corruption, and pies. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I think all of them are very relevant, yeah, particularly the part. Yeah, yeah, and
2: I'll, I'll just very quickly as well, I wasn't able to go down there on Tuesday or because basically I had a stupid early alarm call the next morning. And I'll just like I say to everyone who is listening to this, who was there, congratulations, thank you very fucking much because Wonderful. what you did, Wonderful. that's like if there will be long reads on this documentaries on this talking about this for years. Yeah. The pictures of yous. Outside yeah. Stanford Bridge, outside the gate, blocking those team coaches. The look of panic on Petacek's face. Yeah, that's going to be. It went around the world. You could see it on the front page of Italian papers. All,
0: Martin, all forty of you. Wow. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I read. I read somewhere that um, Florentino Perez was in his previous life was a, an engineer of some sort, a civil engineer. If that's his, oh. if that's his maths. That he can't. That's what he thinks. Forty people look like. I'm not going in any of his buildings because so I'll get fucking stuck in something or <laughs> it will just collapse on me head because they've not be, done the weight calculations right. That is disgusting. And yeah, he just it it just sounds more deranged by the minute. But mm. that
0: um, the event, uh, the demonstration, would be something that large numbers of people were claiming they would be claiming they were at. They were in attendance when they were. Yeah, no
2: it'd be like that that's, that Whether. Rotherham defeat in the 80s. Yeah, Yeah, <laughs>
0: but also. Also, also the great man himself, the man who we will we will shut up now and just let you speak, Adam. Um, fantastic um, from Football London. Um, it's uh, it's Adam Newson. Hey, hi guys,
3: thank you uh, very much for having me. It's uh, it's been quite the week, and I was actually there on Tuesday night. So. Oh,
2: was it you um, who brought the Cold Night in Stokes on?
3: No, well, I did. Claim see it, that claim it. No one knows who it
2: was. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was I was there as I was there reporting and trying not to get swept up too much in the emotion of it all trying to be professional essentially trying to be objective Um, yeah i was trying to do my job well uh which wasn't always that easy to be honest given what was going on well
0: that's uh, a job well rather than well
3: yeah Mm -hmm. but no it was a brilliant night um a brilliant evening for the football in that sense at all the game was completely forgettable um and I think when we do look back on this uh, in sort of a few years' time, people will even forget that Chelsea were even playing. I think.
1: Yeah. Well, so, let's. Uh, I, I'm I'm shamed into the fact that Adam, our, our our journalist professional amongst us tonight, is the only, and he's also a fan. You know, I don't think Adam would mind me telling everybody no. that he's a he's a big Chelsea fan like we are, and he's the only one of us who vote who was there, who who, who was boots on the ground. But there we go. Anyway, um, we will talk about the ESL for all of those of you who have had enough of it. We're going to be doing a bit on that. But before we do that, we are going to talk about the Brighton game, largely because I actually want to know what happened, because <laughs> I was so bloody preoccupied with the meltdown and the statement. And every as you as you probably all know, I'm on the board of the Supporters Trust. So I, I, I have been rather busy and preoccupied with Trust Matters this week because we've been right behind all of this. So I spent most of the game, actually, uh, on on looking at my phone, looking at Twitter streams, emails, WhatsApp messages, you name it. So um, the only conclusion I can draw, Adam, because I did have half an eye on it, clearly, and perhaps because it was such a boring old load of poo, uh, kind of also hastened my, uh, you know, uh, kind of disappearance back into the phone. But it, it was a real damp squib. I mean, here's the question, Adam. Do you, do you think... Um, I mean, because you were there, so you would have had a much more visceral understanding of what was going on. Do you, do you think the players and the management may well have been really affected by what happened on Tuesday night? Or, or or was it more, I mean, Tuchel's alluded to mental and physical fatigue, and they have had a tough run of games, it has to be said. And Brighton did what these kind of teams do, is they just, you know, they, they packed the midfield and defence and looked to hit us on the break, and were pretty good at doing it, to be fair.
3: Yeah, I think it was probably a combination of, of things. Um, but there's no doubt what was going on had an effect on the players and had an a, an effect on Tuckle. He said today that he went into the game without the same mindset that he usually goes into games with. Um, and he said that, you know, in the two days before everybody was talking about the Super League, it was the only thing everyone was talking about. So there's no doubt it impacted, impacted the performance. I don't think the, the protest before... The fact that the Chelsea bus got there late, I, I'm not sure that probably really had too much of a, of a telling impact. I mean, you know, the players got there about 10 past seven, kickoff was delayed until quarter past eight. So they had time to prepare and everything. So um, I don't think that would have thrown them. But yeah, there's no doubt that, you know, they, they had played two really hard games against Porto and Manchester City, um, which does feel an awful long time ago that they played those games. But, um, but they did. And then obviously yeah brighton were, were good uh, brighton are good um the fact that they play really well most weeks and can't score is their problem um but it was it was like you I, you know it was a game where you could only have half an hour, half an hour on it because of what was going on um elsewhere and yeah that's probably why uh nobody really kicked up a fuss that christensen ended up playing right back Reese James ended up on the left of the
0: four and it just seemed a complete mess the, played, the, played the, four the school. back
1: he played four at the back.
2: Yeah, he, he, did, he went, of, to yeah, mid- it, went to midway
0: through, and but he played Rudiger left back, didn't he as well?
3: Oh, he, it was it was a mess. Honestly, the last ten minutes, it was really hard to decide what system and who was playing where, which is probably why Brighton had about three really good chances
0: to to win the game. But they inspired by the um, the fact that they weren't in the uh, the ESL, and we're trying to teach them a lesson. That was the that was what, in fact, he, he quoted Tuchel at the press of today, saying that that Potter and I think one of the journalists said that actually Potter and Said that that his Mm. players were actually wanted to stick one up Chelsea for daring to be involved Mm. in this in this dreadful barago. I think that I think that might be a problem
3: or not a problem potentially, but something that Chelsea have to deal with going forward as well. Tomorrow at West Ham, you know, there's still going to be a backlash from the clubs who weren't uh, who are going to be left behind. There's still going to be resentment towards Chelsea and the other clubs, and you know that can manifest itself in performances from opponents, and it's going to be something that Chelsea Chelsea's players and, and you know all the other club's players involved are going to have to deal with going forward
2: so I mean do you think the fact that basically the entire Chelsea squad was threatened with an international ban in the days leading up to the game that they were effectively treated like a rebel cricket tour and the whole thing of if you move to this league you can't play in FIFA tournaments your international careers are over it's got to have had an effect and from reading what I what what I have, it sounds like this was one of the key things that was raised behind the scenes, specifically being banned from representing their countries. So, yeah, I mean, it was towards the end of it, it was, you know, they were like playing rush fullback. They're all over the place. Don't think it would Um, have
1: bothered Jorginho, mate. He's pretty good at sneaking back on countries, isn't he?
2: Let when we talk about Declan Rice later as well. Okay, okay. I, knew,
1: <laughs> but, um, I, I, I teed you up for that. I, I gave you, you. that you one. you
2: you, um, you pitched it and I knocked it out of park. But yeah, it was it was shambolic. I never wanted. I mean, Christensen looked like his boots were on the wrong feet when he moved over. Reese James looked similarly. It was just very sloppy, and it caused all the chances. And yeah, Brighton. We beat them three one at the start of the season, and that was harsh. So, and this time, they probably will think they should have beaten us.
0: It was very interesting watching, um, having seen the, the Chelsea of the last two matches, the slick Chelsea. They suddenly started taking two touches from every pass to them, which is something that they just haven't been doing at all. It's been going back, 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 back. And that's been the, their success, the speed of getting the ball out of defence up front. And they were all taking two touches and looking up. And you thought, this is, this is." I'm afraid, it's, the, it's what happened at the end of Lampard's tenure. It was the kind of of you could you could get on top of them every time um because they were they were dawdling on the ball. And uh, and that's been really for me has been one of the the top things about Tuchel is this ability to get the ball out of defense and even playing short, which before Tuchel we were we were in despair of because we just thought they're gonna cock up. And they did towards the end of the game. Uh Jorginho lost the ball and Zuma lost the ball, was tackled, and that's when they almost scored.
1: Yeah, they should, have done, should have they done. Should
0: have done. Should have scored. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, because of this inability to get the ball up, because they were taking too long to to play with it, it was utterly shambolic. And as you, as, you know, as you say, he was. To me, they were they were all absolutely affected by the whole experience. Yeah.
1: Well, as as were we. I mean, I think I think you know we may we may have giggled about it, but there, in a funny old sense, there, there's a huge parallel there. I mean, all four of us, it's just trying to like prize a limpet um, off, off off a TV screen at the moment when we're watching a game and that none of us were engaged in it at all because our mind was elsewhere. So I can kind of, without trying to give them a free pass or even a quick uh, pass, uh, Jonathan, you know I can understand why their minds were off it. I mean, one thing I would say, Adam, which I was really, actually, very disappointed about, and you'll understand this because I wrote you an article all about it a while ago, but uh, he played Mason Mount in the double six with Jorginho, and I've been saying... I say, we need to give him a go there. He can do that. And it was rubbish. Why was it rubbish? Why didn't it work? I'm so upset.
3: I think you can play Mason in a double six with Kante and it would probably work a lot better. Yeah. I don't think it so would So it was work.
2: Jorginho's fault. That's better. <laughs> now mean... he's getting teed up. <laughs>
0: Jorginho now completely the villain again? Yep. Having been Having been, uh, right, yes, yeah, yeah. well, Given his quotes about Lampard today, um, yeah. Yeah. Do you
1: know what I, Adam actually WhatsApped me that like a breaking news? Or clearly, had found out at the minute. Chidge, you've got to read this.
3: It was I just, I was just, you know, I, the lamp, just the Lampard stuff. I don't have a huge issue with what he said because I do agree that you know Frank got the job. He wasn't inexperi- right. he, he wasn't experienced. He wouldn't have got the job were he not Frank Lampard. However. Just don't say that kind of thing at the moment, especially when he's starting to play well and he's starting to gain a little bit of favour. It just seems so ill-timed. Mm. But Anyway, yes, Mason as a double six didn't work. Um, whether or not there's an element of him being absolutely shattered at this point as well. Um, go on. Jean.
1: No, no, go on. I'm just raising my hand to let the others know I want to come in with another question. He's been
0: doing <laughs> that now. He's, he's, tra- that he's now.
1: trained me into doing it.
0: It works, it works. <laughs> and I should go... I, I can't to, I
1: should... see that. I've got Mixler over your left <laughs> yeah.
0: arm.
3: Okay,
1: okay. Go on, I will Hull. say,
3: I will say the the only the only thing of of that midfield, you know, yeah, it didn't work. There was far too much space. Chelsea didn't progress the ball very well. It yeah. does leave me to wonder where, when we'll see, and if we'll see Billy Gilmore again this oh, season. God, I know. Tuchel mentioned uh, probably about a month or so ago, six weeks, that he was the fourth midfielder uh, in the in the sort of batting order. But evidently he isn't because obviously there was no Kante because he was being rested. There was no Kovacic, and he decided to bring Mason back rather than play Gilmore. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see Billy again this season, to be honest.
1: Well, I, I think you're right. And I mean, the reality is, whether we like it or not, this is what managers do. They just don't fancy some players, and it looks like it's Gilmore and Tammy. The fact that they're, I mean, Gilmore's a youth product, but not, but Tammy certainly is, and that really pisses me off. But, you know, this is what managers have always done. Uh, right, let's move on to the old ESL adam um well goodness me what a week um what happens now what comes after the revolution
3: probably a fair few positives in the sense of it's it's this has been threatened by the big clubs for years uh and it's been what they've used to to leverage a lot of things in the champions league and and in the premier league too and they've you know they pulled the trigger on it finally and and found that there's blanks in there and at this point it's taken a big threat out of, out of the game in terms of when they go into Premier League meetings and when they go into to meetings with UEFA, they're not going to have the same power they did, which is probably a good thing for the wider football footballing game. Um, in terms of sanctions and whatnot, I think it's so up in the air at this point. I think it's going to be incredibly difficult to to punish those responsible for the decision without impacting those who had no say in it. As in us. As in us, as in the players, as in Thomas Tuchel. I mean, if you do a points deduction, that that hurts the players who had no say in it. If you if you do that, it hurts it hurts the supporters too. Um, and if you hit the club with a fine, how big a fine does it have to be for it to truly make a make an an, an impact, basically? Because you know, big clubs have a lot of money, so.
1: And they're all, they're all right, already going to face financial repercussions from from Perez and his merry men, I would imagine.
3: Yeah. So. It's, it's not easy to know. And, you know, as a Chelsea fan, first and foremost, I don't have any issue with Chelsea being punished for this. If Chelsea are punished or if, they, if the individuals are punished or whatever it ends up being, I think as fans, we all have to accept it because the decision was made and we can't go back on that now and pretend that, that it, it didn't happen. I was going to say just because we've apologised, but that hasn't happened anyway. Hmm.
1: I mean, one of the things that I, I, I totally reiterate... Uh, what what you say there adam and you know i i think it would, it would it would be awful if if you know the sanctions that are levied are to do with points deductions um you know throwing them out of competitions and all that because it's us that will suffer and actually it's us that should be rewarded in a way and what i'm hoping uh, I mean, you know frankly, I think what 's happening in the Premier League at the moment where they 're ostracizing the big six they 're moving them out of the key positions that they were in. Frankly, the people that made these decisions are the ones that should face those repercussions so that being said what 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 would be what would you what would what would be your thinking on that
3: honestly i don't have an answer to that question um you know i 've obviously seen what the supporters trust put out in terms of saying they have no confidence in the board. Um, and that's been echoed by um, we are the shed as well. Someone I spoke to there. Um, whether or not there are any serious implications for those at the top, I don't know. I mean, it would seem the logical thing to do almost for those guys to be punished or for them to to step down. But I don't think that is going to happen. Um, I don't think
1: there'll be any resignations at Chelsea. No, no,
0: neither do I. So, now, how so do yeah, they have I mean, power. How do they have power to actually? To give them any sanctions or whatever. Well, because,
1: for example, Bruce uh, was on the, he was the head of the one of the PL committees. I can't remember which one it is. Audit, it 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 was was audit. Thank you, Martin. Take him off that. They have have. those kind of things. I think are absolutely what you know that those they need to face personal uh, repercussions from this, and that is one of them where they lose power. I don't, as I said to Adam, I don't, I don't see any resignations happening at Chelsea you know I just don't see that happening
2: I don't see any resignations happening because I don't think these people have any shame or don't believe they did anything fucking wrong that's why there won't be any resignations every single person who's been involved at any hand or deed in this what's been going on this last week should be fucked out of football no ifs no buts Mm. and as for the points deduction thing yes it's harsh on us as fans yes it's harsh on Thomas Tuchel yes it's harsh on the players There have been countless occasions through the football league. You know, Wigan players aren't responsible for the financial fuck-ups that caused them to go bust. They suffered a points deduction, and and that was that was a financial that was financial mismanagement. This was cheating, basically. They tried to cheat the English game. And if there is a a fifteen-point deduction minimum for all six clubs, I would have no. I'll be honest, I would have no problem with that. I think that's to, to me, I think that's a bare minimum sanction.
1: Well, I've changed my view because, you see, I'm I'm a lover, really, Martin, not a fighter. You probably
0: didn't realise that. What a... In the last few minutes, you've changed your
1: what a, what, yeah, yeah, <laughs> of I'm, seconds,
2: I'm, I think I'm, scared
1: I'm, I scared him. No, I'm also, I'm also a hypocrite and I flip about. <laughs> I, 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 I bend with the wind. No, and he doesn't know why I've changed my mind yet. He's going to love this. He's going to love it. I think you're right. I think actually Chelsea should be relegated at least two divisions. Because the, the the joy that we would have of going up to places like Rotherham and Doncaster and Carlisle, oh, and wow. places we haven't had to play for years, would be fantastic. Adam's not so keen. But I the mean, other, uh, the other, hang I on mean, a minute. The other reason is, if we did that, we would lose probably hundred percent of the supporters that we really don't want to have associated with this club
0: whatsoever. And the I thought, I thought
2: you were gonna. I thought you're gonna be diplomatic tonight. Geez. No. <laughs>
0: I said she'd probably all the players as well, so we'd probably then still carry well, on. Well, as long as one of them is yeah. Jorginho, I'm happy. Yeah, that's true. But my mate, <laughs> is, my mate is a Fulham fan, um, was really pleased about the, uh, the ESL because um, he said, well, that would mean that Chelsea, therefore, wouldn't be in the division and neither would any of the other clubs, and that would mean that Fulham would stay in the Premier League. <laughs> so we get, we, all
2: six of us get relegated and they stay yeah. up. I've had, I've
0: so, had yeah.
1: Brentford mates all week saying, OK, that means we won We won the Carling Cup in 2000 <laughs> yeah. and whenever it was. You know, Adam, I, I, I very rudely talked over you. Please tell me what you were going to say.
3: No, I was, I was just going to say, I, I covered a League 2 club not too long ago, uh, so I don't really want to go back down to that level if possible. But... Um, I, I sort of, in my in my head, I thought maybe next season it would be great, and, I, and this is purely hypothetical, if Chelsea and all the other clubs were given a 20-point deduction or more at the start of the season, so they would know what they're going into. And I do think that would, A, make the season absolutely fantastic to watch, because it would add real jeopardy for most of it for the big clubs, but it would also give the other small pools you know, quote unquote, smaller clubs, your Everton's, your West Ham's, your Leicester's, a far better chance to get into the Champions League. And ultimately this is the Champions League is a competition that Chelsea and these other big clubs wanted to walk away from. So I think it's only fair that you give them next, you give everyone else a chance next season or a better chance next season to get into it. Because ultimately, if, if the Champions League was so great, why did all you big clubs want to walk away from it?
0: Hmm. Isn't that a template? very critical, yeah. same pert- pert- pertinent to this. Isn't that a template for the future, though, that they could all be handicapped from now on? Yeah. So all the top, all the top teams could have permanent points deduction in order to get up to the top, and that would therefore be every single year, which would be a question of you know how many points to get before you get to So you finish lower. That would in a sense be slightly American league, wouldn't it? In that you were, you were appealing Uh, to NFL.
2: If if there was a draft that would work. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. Or Whatever. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt much.
2: Yeah. I mean, there would be a certain delicious irony in a closed shop that they were trying to create being smashed wide open because they've got a 20 point handicap as a result of trying to create a closed shop. Um, Yeah. I I think it's a minimum standard and, my other view is that if the Premier League don't want to work with the representatives of these clubs because they frankly do not trust them, and why would they? Then why should they hold positions of power at our club? I completely agree with the Chelsea Supporters Trust statement. I think Buck should go. I think Lawrence should go. And personally, I think it should go higher than that if need be. Because well, you don't get I'd, much higher. I, well, you, you, mean know, you know where right, you know where do I do. We'll say it where then. where I think you know this idea that he had no idea he didn't know about this i think that's complete bullshit mm. you know these lot asked permission to switch the kettle on from him yeah. so i'm not having it that he didn't know he's just sorry he got caught
1: yeah well indeed look um i'm just going to change tack a slight a little bit because uh in terms of what happens next and, and 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 you know what again i mean you know i i i tend to have a bit of a big picture view of things but there's an element of serendipity about this perhaps and i and i kind of speak not not with my supporters' trust hat on, but certainly with my experience of what being on a supporters' trust is all about and how hard it's been for years and years and years to get anything out of the club that is substantive. I mean, they have a lot of dialogue with us. They're very respectful most of the time, and it's actually quite productive in that respect. But we never get anything genuinely really substantive. And, you know, we've always pressed very much for, you know, a reform of the game, better governance... More supporter input, more supporters say, you know, if, if if anybody's a member of the trust, and they care to look at our motions. From since day one, we've said we want representation at board level, and and frankly, we all sat there thinking, well, we want that, but we know it's never, ever, 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 ever going to happen with a big PLC club, like or not PLC club, but a, well, even at a PLC club actually. But anyway, we never thought it would happen. And what what these idiots have done is that they've screwed up so monumentally so monumentally they are so down the carsy at the moment with their tails between their legs that they're either going to have to do it willingly to repair the damage or it'll be foisted on them by the government because i mean i know for a fact that the fsa have tabled an early day motion with ian Maud this week you know so there's pressure going on to the government from all forms the government will seize on anything that might give them a a bump in the polls very quickly, so there's real there's real jeopardy and potential pressure from government down on the clubs. And I actually have a suspicion that this might open the door for real substantive change in the game, which will benefit us, Adam.
3: That would be incredible, but also yeah, highly ironic but brilliant if it did happen. Um, I think, as you say, it'd be it would be lovely to have a fan representative on the board in some respect. Um, because if there was i don't think we get to the situation we got to this week right. or or we do get to that situation but at least there's a, an op- a, a opposing voice along the way um because you know that's what's rankled the most i think with everyone is there was no consultation or thought for the fans um and yeah it would be brilliant to think that this is a not a, not a reset but a way to to change how the game is is run or how how things are done because for years and years, you know, supporters have almost been seen uh, as being devalued a little bit. And that, you know, I think or I do wonder how much the last year is was in the, these, uh, the owners' minds when they pulled the trigger on this because they proved that there was a product that could survive without any spores in the stadium, basically. Mm. Um, so it's been great to see the power that fans have is still there. The supporters can make a difference and, and if this situation as awful as it was did enable uh, that kind of change then maybe in a few years time we'll look back on it and think you know what that actually turned out to be a really really good thing mm.
1: Martin?
2: Yeah uh, things that I thought I would want to happen but came to the conclusion it's never going to happen everything's out the window now we've talked about fan representation on boards I think I think fifty plus one legal, whether it can be legally done or not, it's, it seems it like nothing's off it the table. It can, okay. Yeah. That's that's a game it, it changer. Doesn't, if that's it doesn't possible. have sorry,
1: sort of, Martin, it doesn't. Okay. Ha- I was listening to David Conn on Talk Sport this afternoon, and he put it brilliantly. It doesn't have to be fifty plus one ownership. That's clearly never going to happen.
2: It's voting rights, isn't it? It is. It's control. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, fifty plus one. This doesn't happen. You see why Bayern Munich didn't touch it with a shitty stick. You see why Borussia Dortmund didn't go near it. As I think Rafa Honigstein was, had said in the week, they would get. You know, if they did that and then went to go for a meal, they'd be getting chased down the road. It just wouldn't happen. And all these things that we thought were complete non-starters. And this isn't just ownership of clubs now. Let's let's look at other things that we're talking. <laughs> we've all moaned about over the past decade. Shit kickoff times, short notice moves on games, Monday nights, Thursday nights, seven fifteen kickoffs on a Sunday. All of that is out the window. A generation of fans have learnt their power and hopefully they can use it not just for this, but for the other issues in that Ryle us all and serious issues like, you know, racism in football, what's gone on in Qatar, so let's not pretend that PSG are completely innocent. Everything nothing is off the table now
0: can i just uh, ask, going back slightly well um, did did the cpo have any possible leverage in this at all With the, i read
2: something that they were going to review their articles of association but this was before chelsea pulled out on the tuesday i would like to have seen the outcome of that review because i suggested it and i was told by someone who would be very well clued up on it that all their Bit limited to is the name yeah, and the.
1: They were. I spoke to, yeah. to, to some people who I, I will not name, but they made it pretty clear there was not a lot that the uh, the CPO could have done. It, and you're right. It really just relates to to whether they want to move or. or I mean, it, he said the only way it would have related to it is if they'd have had to have played one of those games in the Super League as a home game somewhere else.
2: Okay. Well, I'll. Well, just very quickly, and I'll try and get through a reasonably complex point quickly. So. FIFA weren't sanctioned in this league. UEFA weren't sanctioned. I want to call it an outlaw league now, not a fucking super league, outlaw league, because that's what it was. So it hasn't got UEFA sanction. It hasn't got FIFA sanctioned. So therefore, where are you going to get your refs from? Yeah. You, you use AI or you use... Oh, Jonathan volunteered. It was going to
0: be AI. And also, did you read the, the notes on that? It was going to be a shortened game with, with a, um, with a oh, different... Yeah, because kids under 20 don't it, watch it. it. Yeah, shortened game. An hour... With three um, and it was three breaks in it, as we always predict yeah. that American uh, NFL would do, and also, but also, we were going to um, implement law changes that would appeal to the way fans wanted football to be done nowadays, as if they know. So <laughs> phenomenal. Sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah. go on, sorry, Adam. Jim. That's all Just right. Say, I think
3: you saw how important this was. You know, let's not overlook the fact that Real Madrid and Barcelona still are in this. Technically, they haven't officially pulled out of it. I think it's Deutsche Spiegel published today that Real Madrid and Barcelona would have received more money.
2: Yeah, I than, saw that. Yeah, than the, the, the other clubs involved. In. Yeah, some which, clubs are more equal than others. But.
3: Which I think just highlights the fact that Real Madrid and Barcelona are so desperate for this to happen because they are so, so yeah. in debt. Yeah. That yeah. was the motivating factor behind this. There's, don't think there's any debate yeah. about that at this point.
1: This is a rescue oh. package for Barcelona and Real Madrid. That's what it was always about. Look, We've got we got to wrap this up. We're going to pick it up, actually, in a minute, because uh, in, in our opposition view, uh, we've got uh, Will Pugh coming up from We Are West Ham, and I know he has some pretty strident views on this, but it'd be interesting to hear uh, from the from the non-Big Six point of view, if you like. I think what I'd like to finish up by saying, really, uh, as Martin started it with, really, which is a massive, massive ran thank Rant of swearing. And, and ran, <laughs> lots of swearing, yeah, but a massive big up to everybody who got involved whether it was the trust uh, getting on top of this really really early whether it was people writing blogs doing podcasts um the wonderful uh, i don't know if you you read it but it it, it certainly was been around but our mate daniel janu who is in tonight listening on Mixela but uh, the swedish boys the the uh, i think it was the the scandinavian boys so the Nor- the norwegians were heavily involved as well and the swedish um I f- forgive me daniel i can't remember the others but you were brilliant too that statement and, and the Americans, I mean, what was brilliant about it was you had a lot of people involved who would have been very easy to point the finger at and say, well, you'd love this. But the Yanks were four square behind it, so behind us, uh, the, the, the other overseas fans were. And why I bring this up now, because we've got Will coming on in a minute, but uh, so many um, other supporters from other clubs were at the protest on, on Tuesday. So I think, you know... Massive congratulations for for getting so galvanised and and and, organised and making your voices heard so loudly. But also massive props for seeing the bigger picture, that this wasn't just about Chelsea, this was about football. And that it was an existential threat to football, and you lot saved it. Well done. Right, after this quick break, as I said, we'll be speaking to Will Pugh from We Are West Ham about... There is a match tomorrow, who knew? Anyway, we'll be back in a minute.
2: Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. FootballFancast.com
1: Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. Friday night preview show with me, Stanford Chidge. Him over there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. No doubt. Uh, we've got Martin Wickham on the show tonight. Good evening. And uh, I, I've kind of break it. I like you. Know, this is how I roll. I break the rules, mate. That's what I'm all about. Uh, so we've invited Adam Newsom from Football.London to stay with us because we love him so much and basically he is one of us. So, Adam, lovely to have you for part two and three.
3: Thank you very much for keeping me around.
1: Right. Now, as you all know, in part two on the Friday Night Show, it's to, we do a thing called this. The Opposition View. That's right. The opposition view. And uh, we've got West Ham tomorrow. So, of course, we need to have a West Ham fan on. And I'm really delighted to. uh, We finally got him on the show. I've been asking him for ages. Uh, He he does the West, uh, the We Are West Ham podcast. But I I got to know uh, this fine young man by doing Love Sport Radio. I did a few shows with him. He's a brilliant bloke. And he is Will Pugh. Hello, Will
4: how are you mate i'm how all right you? it's a pleasure to be here. i feel almost feel bad for not coming having come on before that's
1: because i made you feel bad that's How yeah I that's, roll.
4: That, that's true actually yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> how
1: the devil are you mate i mean i saw you on tuesday obviously i was saying to everybody in part one that I, I pitched up on your podcast rather angry and frothing at the mouth at the time
4: yeah but mate we've already got some outstanding feedback like the We i Sam podcast listeners Love you almost as much, if not more, than they love me. To be honest,
1: I've achieved uh, a life, a lifetime ambition to be loved by West Ham fans ro- rather than <laughs> exactly. being chased rather than
0: being chased by them. Will I have to say? Yeah, exactly. But, but you know what? Me. If you, you work with them for Chichi. a long time, it all falls apart. Trust me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but you know what, Chichi? Look, I think like what you've said there is a is a good point to come in on. Is that I just love being able to speak to. Other football fans who are on the same level as us. You've mentioned it earlier on, Tom, who co-hosts the. I mean, I, I did the hosting, but my co-hosts on the We Are West Ham podcast are James Jones and Tom Edwards. And Tom Edwards, who is staunch West Ham, just as I am. I've had a season ticket since I was nine. First game when I was four. I'm thirty odd now, nearly thirty. And Tom went along to the. He, he texted us on the podcast the other night and said, "Sorry, lads, I can't do the pod tonight." Because I've got, to, I feel obliged to. I've got to go to the 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 protest at Stamford Bridge. Did he go and by boat, that... Will?
1: Did he go by boat?
4: <laughs> I think he walked there. He I can't afford the train, it. let alone the boat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but no, look, Tom went along there, and I think Chigi. We spoke about this the other night, and I was really proud of Tom for doing it. And you know, we're, again, we've got to put the podcast out because West Ham fans, just like your listeners, have got a, they expect the podcast every Wednesday, despite the fact that. There was news developing as we were recording it. But Tom went along, he he felt that him going along in solidarity with the Chelsea fans was more important than recording the podcast with us. And we were more than happy to have him do that. And we felt totally in line with him. And it's brilliant. I'd absolutely love being on a Chelsea fan cast now because everyone who's listening to this, or the vast majority I stood with you when you know the the protests were going on the other day, and I'm absolutely delighted to stand with you ahead of the game this weekend. Because although we both want our teams to win, ultimately both of us groups of supporters have already won this week.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point, well made, Will. Well, I was just going to say, just want to ask you one more question. One more question, and I'll, I'll let Jonathan come in. But uh, it's just the the big broad one, really. You know, we, we're we're all we all feel very ashamed that we support a club that has has no judgment and no scruples at all. Um, and it's trying to shaft all of you lot. Now, I don't mind that between, you know, 5.30 and 7.30 on a Saturday tomorrow, but every every other time, sod the hell off. So what was the perspective from, from a supporter who supports a club who are outside of the big six about what was going on and what it might mean for you? And how, how did you feel about that? Chigi,
4: I'll be honest, if it wasn't for people like you and really good friends of mine, personal friends who support Tottenham or Arsenal, Chelsea, whatever, that the view from a West Ham perspective and I think, to be honest, anyone who supports the rest of the 14 or the other clubs in the Championship League yeah. one was, go, crack on lads, you do it, go on, do what you've got to do, we'll do our thing, cut you off completely and the only reason I wasn't totally for that stance was because of people like you, Chidge and the, the tens of thousands of uh, Chelsea fans, Man City fans, Tottenham fans who are normal blokes like me, who do the same sort of jobs as I do, who earn normal sort of money and earn norm, live in normal houses in normal parts of London and the surrounding areas. If it was purely based on what the owners have done and the clubs themselves, I'd have gone, yeah, crack on, lads. You gonna have a good time. Try that out. See if it works for five years. We'll keep on playing the Premier League without you lot and we'll keep on playing the Champions League without you lot for four or five years. And once everyone else in the world, and certainly the majority of Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United fans who go to games every week have got bored of this weird little... Harlem Globetrotters style little tournament that you've made up, then don't worry about coming back because we won't be invited. But Chij, I don't football and West Ham playing Chelsea, West Ham playing Tottenham. I don't care because it's David Gold against Daniel Levy or David Sullivan against Roman Abramovich. The the whole point of that stuff is so I can chat to you beforehand and we have a bit of banter about it. and we have a few beers if we meet up at the stadium, if I'm in the away end and you're in the home end or vice versa. And it's the same with my Tottenham mates, the same with my Arsenal mates. The only reason, if it wasn't for like-minded human beings who like football as much as I do, but we just happen to support a different club, then I would have gone Tottenham, Manchester United, Man City, crack on. Because I'm bored of playing them every season because it's 12 games. Well, not 12, because Arsenal and Tottenham, Tottenham. The fact they're called super clubs is laughable, (laughs) but it's at least it's at least three games, maybe four, uh, home and away, so maybe eight. But honestly, Man City and Liverpool, that's four games you write off completely. Chelsea, we've we've given them a game or two this season, but I'm just I'm just bored of having Premier League games where like there's four of them or six of them or eight of them, depending how bad you are. Like last season, we were terrible. I'm just bored of having games where you just write off and you you only look at out of 38 games. You only want to win 27 of them or they're the only ones you think you've got a chance. I don't think that's
0: exciting anymore. That's a really,
1: no, that's a good point. I get that actually. Well, I really do. I mean, we say much the same in reverse when, you know, people that we don't like get relegated. They say, well, that's a shame because we always get six points. Jonathan, I know you, you, you just the, to get the in moment, so the moment
0: sort of went really because it was a bit early on about talking about the spirit of love we now have for all of each other. Right? Will I will I still will I no longer be chased back to the station <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> yeah
1: but you you would you would be saying chase me Jonathan wouldn't
0: you? Oh I
1: well, I think deserve that. You know I've interviewed Duncan Norval. Oh, it was one of the oh, highlights of my TV career. Yeah, well, it
0: was but but um, uh, what I one of the things about the, uh, the 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 Super League I didn't quite get was when they made the announcement there was a presumption that they were still going to carry on in the Premier League.
2: What it was, was laughable. An issue, really? It which was, was absolutely
0: laughable. laughable which, they, nobody thought through at all, because what would happen? They, if they won it, they wouldn't go into into the uh, the Champions League. What would they do? Because they said, no, we're only playing it on Wednesday, which I just didn't understand. They really thought, believed uh, that. They really believed that. They really, that really too, believed that, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. What,
2: what, yeah, they, what, they seem to have been surprised that the domestic leagues said, fuck off. Yeah. And then they got backed by UEFA and FIFA. On the point that Will made about crack on and you know once the fans get booked. had that happened and we were out of domestic competition, if we we're only playing that, they become an IPL franchise. As far as I'm concerned, I'm yeah. out. I'm not watching. Yeah, yeah, not- absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh, we I think I said I said this to, to to Will on Tuesday night on his podcast that for you know lots of most of the people that I know and I go to the matches, we would have bailed out. Well, let let's 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 draw a line under the ESL for now. Because uh, we have a big match coming Chins, up tomorrow. Can I
4: add one more no, point? No, of course you can. Sorry, course, no, I, no, no, I right. hate to interrupt. No, no, no. I know, uh, being a broadcaster, I know no, no, exactly no, what right. you've tried to do there. I one do thing I'll just say:
1: I'm William. I'm used it to right. it. I'm, I'm, it. Mate, I'm used to it. You know. Yeah, but one thing,
4: I, one point I want to make, and I would love to make it on a Chelsea platform, is that I've always, always preferred Chelsea and Man City to Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, or any of those, because I'm 29. And all of my... I've got friends who grew up and supported Chelsea at the same time as I started supporting West Ham. And I find whenever I think of another football club in the Premier League, I think of fans who are in a similar situation to me. And I, all of my Chelsea mates who are the same age as me supported Chelsea when they were just as rubbish as West Ham were, fighting out in the mid-table in the Premier League. And anyone I know, which is less people granted but who supports Man City, who's the same age as I am, is have watched Man City when they were terrible. And I look at Chelsea and Man City, and I love it when they win the Premier League over Man United, Arsenal or Liverpool, because I think those guys who supported Chelsea and Man City, who are the same age as me, supported them when they were rubbish. And it's not their fault. They've done nothing to... Account for the rich supersonic owners, and all of a sudden they're winning the league and they're winning cups and all that sort of thing. And I think, honestly, and I've always had so much more time for Chelsea and Man City fans than no. I ever have had for Man United, Liverpool, or Arsenal. And that's why I was totally delighted that Tom and yeah. all of us stood oh, together uh, well, alongside uh, Chelsea and City fans. As, we, this weekend. as well
1: we, as will we, Will. And I mean, it's really interesting, actually, because it, it seems like a year ago now, but last week, last Friday, we had a a really brilliant Man City fan, Uncle David Walker, who's who I've spoken to a lot, a, a, a love sport, funnily enough, and uh, and we were talking about that. There's there's not a lot of enmity really between City and Chelsea fans because they both recognise that they're actually very similar clubs, and they were very similar clubs way before Roman and 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 uh, the Thai bloke turned up at City and and the Saudis ever since, and you know, and I think there is a bit of that. We we all we all as football all football fans really know who the real enemies are. Arsenal, and the Man- real fans
4: are Gigi. yeah
1: yeah yeah. But Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, and Spurs. In fact, actually, most people will, will 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 real football fans all know that nobody likes Spurs. It's kind of a given. Anyway, let's move on. Anyone? To- I do, it, I to. Yeah. just wanna, wanted to say that. No, yeah. I'm really glad you did because it was a re- it was a really good point to make. Um, let get into the West Ham chat, shall we? I mean, I mean, this has got to be one of West Ham. I mean, because I I know you quite well, so I know what you feel about Golden Sullivan. That notwithstanding. This has got to have been one of West Ham's best seasons for years, hasn't it? You didn't, you really didn't expect to be sitting in fourth, fifth at the moment, surely.
4: No, of course we didn't, mate. No, since I've been alive, it's this season, the last season at Upton Park, and in the very late 90s when Harry Redknapp was still in charge. Those are the best three seasons I could pick on one of my hands. Um, so, no, of course we didn't. Of course we didn't, but it's massive, massive respect to David Moyes, and and no one else. And, you know, there's the players, of course, they deserve massive respect. But then I always find that the manager gets blamed, gets blamed, excuse me, when the, the players aren't performing. So therefore, when they are, the manager should get the credit for that, which is why I give huge, huge praise to David Moyes. He came in in a, a tornado of negativity, if- mainly from the fans against the board. No one was that excited about David Moyes coming for his second spell. He did all right in the first spell. Like People like to over-egg how well he did in that first spell. He still had some good players in the squad. It wasn't like, oh my God, how has he stayed up? Like There were some worse teams in the league. But in his second spell, he's got his head down. He's ignored all the noise. He's been professional and honest. And he's uh, he's what he's produced is just none of us saw it coming at all. And uh, he, he's the man that I, I heap the most praise on. No, of course, of course, we didn't think that this was going to come. It's absolutely outstanding stuff.
0: What has he done? What did he do to impress Golden Sullivan to give him a second go? Because I didn't understand that. Did they spot something in him the first time? Did they feel they got rid of him too soon? Because that's unprecedented, that, that situation, when the team hasn't done very well, and yet they get him back in again uh, as, as a kind of saviour. I didn't understand that. What, what, no. what, what did they see in him? Do you know, Will? What they saw in him at all? They
4: His ability to accept £3 million a year rather than the £8 million
0: a year that yeah, yeah. Manuel Pellegrini was accepting. That is it. <laughs> that does help. It's easy. But, but also... It, it, no, of it, course it, it, it is. It's, of player course spotting. It is. it's player spotting. I mean, some of the signings you've got... Oh, Lingard has been amazing. But, also, yeah. but not only that, the other Suchek, cracking player. Yeah. Really These
4: came cracking. after... Jonathan, these came after he was appointed. Ultimately, he was he was willing to... Let, let's be honest, anyone who criticised David Moyes between the spells he had at West Ham cannot be like slammed for criticising him. He didn't have a good CV in between. All right, he kept us up. But before that, it was Real Sociedad, Sunderland, Manchester United, et cetera, et cetera. Um, no, honestly, Jonathan, I think the main reason, and I might be wrong, and I don't want to be too hard on the club because ultimately a board's job is to manage a football club for the least money you can. That is their job. So it's okay to appoint someone on the cheap if they're going to perform well. But ultimately, I think Pellegrini was on 8 million odd quid a year. He was one of the highest paid managers in the league. David Moyes is. They've gone from that to one of the lowest-paid managers in the league. He's then turned turned it round, and uh, you know his, his player choices, as you said. But that all came after the, the first time he just did he did well with the players he got put in front of him. And this time, he deserves an eight million quid a year contract now, by all means. But I think one of the main reasons, and I do, we should give the West Ham owners a bit of credit. And I might get absolutely slammed for that on social media, but. <laughs> Their job is to run a football club, produce a team that plays well on the pitch, produce good managers and good players, as well as doing it financially sensibly. But ultimately, I think the initial reason for giving David Moyes a job for a second time was because they thought he'd be able to come 14th and they'd be yes, able to, pay about him to say that between exactly. two and three
0: million quid a year. Just, yes. just keep them there, keep them up rather yeah. than actually make any progress. So this must be come as a surprise. But for an outsider, he was terrific at Everton. So you, and because he was then offered the Man United job. So you then think, well, actually, he's a pretty decent manager. And given an opportunity like this, you know, I, I can see this this being suc- carrying on being successful, actually. But they have to back- What about the jobs in between? Uh, well, indeed, indeed, what happened there? Yeah, but I mean, Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I think I can answer that because actually, I think you know Moyes is a really good example. I'm interested to hear what Adam and, and and Martin think of this, but I think Moyes is a really good example of of if you give a, a, a decent manager, an honest football man, which is what I think David Moyes is, if you give them time, they will do well, and that's what he had at Everton. He had a he had a he had a good amount of time to build his own side, get them playing the way he wanted to, get his transfers and his recruitment right, bringing people through from the academy, and he had time to do it. And I think that's what we're seeing at West Ham. Martin or or, or Adam, Adam, do you want to have a crock at that one first?
3: Yeah, I was going to say, just on, on Real Sociedad, you know... He Went to a foreign country, tried something and it didn't quite work out. It was out. just like being in a foreign country, wasn't
1: it? <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs>
3: um, you know, if credit to him, he tried something different and it didn't work out. That you know, that's fair enough. Sunderland, I mean, the, yeah, case. they were he was hurt, hurt,
0: in there trying to keep him up. It was, yeah,
3: they were hurtling towards the abyss before he got there. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's like you look at his recent CV and there, there are potential, you know, concerns, but. You know, there are probably mitigating factors in that. And yeah, I think he's proving once again that he is a good coach if you give him a certain set of circumstances, um, which is what he's now got at West Ham. He's got a, a group of players um, and this is obviously me talking, the outside looking in. And he's got a very a good group of players that fit into the way he wants to play. Um, and credit to him, he's, he's got West Ham into a position that nobody expected.
2: Mm. Martin? Can I just quickly... Yeah, yeah, go on, Sorry, man. go on, Martin. Okay. No, Adam, oh, so, so why I take... It's Why I form, take the job? Go Martin, go on. Go it on. was going to form a question. I mean, has he changed his coaching staff in the time, in say, when he was at Man U? And has, I mean, has he evolved somewhere? So yeah. That's well, got we... to have helped. I mean, he, he didn't he catch COVID? He couldn't go to two games.
4: And we won both of yeah, those. Yeah, and really. then there was the running joke, he should <laughs> we stay away anyway. Away.
2: But, you know, maybe being able to analyse it another way allowed him, you know, helped him develop there. And it just, yeah, he's... It, I also think it just took him a long time to get over what happened at Man U because, you know, Solskjaer's got a lot of time there and Moyes is quite justified to say, yeah, I wish I'd had the same amount of time.
4: Definitely, mate. You're Martin, you're totally right. If, if Moyes had come to West Ham straight after Everton, I think, and been given the same amount of time, it would have been happy days. Adam, what Adam was saying then about those jobs, and there are mitigating factors, but you've also got to realise on that front, why take the jobs then? Don't take the jobs. Like as much as it was those mitigating factors, David Moyes knew what he was going into in all of those. He knew when he was going to Real Sociedad, he was going to have to speak Spanish, which he couldn't. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm. He went into Manchester United knowing he was following Alex Ferguson's footsteps. He went to Sunderland knowing it was a club hurtling towards wherever they were hurtling towards. And the first time we went to West Ham, we were in real trouble. This wasn't a man who went into it with his eyes shut. And all of a sudden was like, oh, God, as soon as he signed on the dotted line and went to his first day of training. And that's why there's a a real uh, aggressive tone among some West Ham fans. Anyone who says who wasn't excited about David Moyes come around a second time. There's people now going, oh, all of those who were sneering at David Moyes coming a second time. Look at you now, blah, blah, blah. I totally disagree with that. Anyone who wasn't that excited about David Moyes coming a second time, including me, had every right to feel that way. That What's happened now is a surprise, not only to West Ham fans, it's to Chelsea fans, in line with the questions you've just asked me, in line with Manchester United fans, Sunderland fans. Everyone was surprised what David Moyes has managed to do at West Ham a second time round. So those people going, oh, I knew he was going to do a good job. Well, yeah, that's easy to say based on what he'd done at Everton six, seven, eight years ago. Do people actually say that? though? Do loads people... of people do, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. loads
4: of everyone. It's everyone kind of how it yeah. works,
1: isn't it? Let's be honest. But uh, there you go. But
4: why? Why? Who would <coughs> would you have been excited? Any of you, no, like Chelsea no.
0: fans, if David Moyes we were, had taken over at the we club? we were all bemused. We were bemused, but I'm. You know, I, I. That's why I was asking you earlier on what was the, the reasoning behind it. Yeah, it was cheap. Had they, you no, but other than the cheapness, had they seen something in him before that they thought he could do other than keeping him up to 14? No, that was it. So this is, but then when you look at it, you think, well, actually, as you say, he did pretty well at Everton. And so he's got the seeds of being somebody possibly excellent given the time, as you just mm. said. That's yeah. right. It
4: was a worthwhile gamble at two million a year. But go on, Chichi. No, Chich-
1: it's all right. No, no. I, I'm just conscious of the, of the time. And, and, I, and I really want to speak to you, uh, you know, very much about tomorrow. And, you know, we we know that Rice and, uh, you know, the, the next uh, Chelsea uh, defensive midfield player, uh, Declan Rice, uh, and Antonio and Dawson are all out, which actually fills me with delight because Rice, I think, is a bloody good player. Antonio always beats us up and worries the hell out of me. Great. And, I think
0: Antonio is fantastic. And Dawson's
1: also been, you know, doing a really, really good job for you lot, I think. So... That that fills me with a bit of hope. What worries me at the moment is is Lingard, who I think I, I mean G, I mean the thing about Lingard, I talked about this to you, didn't I, on on Tuesday? I mean he was exceptionally good for that spell around the the World Cup when he was you know definitely you know in in, in the England side and always looked a good player for them too. So we knew we knew there was a good player in there, and then he just completely lost the plot. Um, but what's what has what gone on at West Ham? I mean the man's on fire. Yeah,
4: listen, Chidge, the guy's six months younger than me, I think. And I listened to him talk about his personal issues, struggling with his mum and having depression and blah, blah, blah. And I relate to a lot of the stuff he's saying. And I struggled with similar things, like not exactly the same, but similar things. And I was just doing a normal, like nine to five job where no one really knew I was. This guy was trying to deal with these things playing for the biggest club in the world, formally scoring goals in FA Cup finals, et cetera, et cetera. He's made it quite clear why he struggled at Manchester United. And it's, and it's not just because he scored goals. It helps, obviously, of course, when he tells those stories after he's come to West Ham and can't stop scoring. But the, like I say, the guy's the same age as me. I've... Uh, I've got nothing but empathy towards him and for the situation he went through at United because I've had similar, similar troubles to that. And, uh, he was doing it while he was playing for the biggest club in the world. And I, I always find it completely astonishing when these guys who are the same age as me, uh, every single week there under the spotlight, Mm. uh, I think it's uh, David Moyes, again, you're a manager of a football club. He would have seen Jesse Lingard, what he's like as a person week in, week out. That's why he signed him. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has basically said if it wasn't for Bruno Fernandes, he'd have had more of a shot. But Bruno Fernandes turned up and smashed it week in, week out for United in that number 10 position. Therefore, Jesse Lingard didn't get as much time. He's been phenomenal since signing for West Ham again. And that is because David Moyes, who he obviously had a good relationship with before, has said to a young man who's had troubles, do you want to come and play for me? And, you know, you're on the way out of these hard times that you've had. Do you want to come and play for me? And I'll start you every week. You're on the way out of those hard times you've had, and you can show the world exactly what you can do. And that is exactly what he has done. You can see it in the interviews, Chidge." You know, if me and you went out for a beer and you and Jesse Lingard went out for a beer, you'd be able to tell that he's drink him
1: under the table, Will.
4: Well, yeah, but he's probably... I mean, he's a little bit more, like, childish, if you like. Well, he's definitely more athletic, that's (laughs) for sure. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? He's a bit more childish and he's a bit more... It sounds like you're listening to a 21-year-old speak rather than someone who's nearly 30. The guy's outstandingly talented at football, but he comes from a, a poor area of Manchester, where he's the leader of his family, and those things that they trump what you do on the pitch. And and no, I I I love the story, and I'm really really happy for him that he's doing it right on a personal level. And I wouldn't have said that before he joined West Ham, and that's that's a detriment of my own. That's a like, you know yeah, well, that's, you know, really, that's, really, that's my own part.
1: I think that's re- well, that's, that's that's a really interesting thing to hear, and it just 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 reminds us that. We never really know what's going on for these players, or actually, it's very easy, I think, to sit here and just go, "Yeah, well, they own loads of money," and uh, but actually, it's rubbish. Yes, yeah, there's much rubbish. more to it than that. Look, I mean, in terms of, um I mean, I would imagine that that Lingard would be one of the main threats tomorrow, and he's been playing with uh, Jared Bowen, who I, I thought at the time when you bought him was a really good buy from Hull City. He looked he looked good when he when we played them, in, I think it was it was either the League Cup or the FA Cup the other year. He looked a good player. So I would imagine that those two are the main threats, but I'm kind of intrigued how West Ham are going to play this because they've been quite up and down away, but they've been very solid at home. They don't let many goals in. And, uh, you know, is he likely to play 5-3-2? Is he going to revert to that? Cause he tends to do that against the bigger teams, doesn't he?
4: God knows, Chidge. No idea. We, <laughs> I love <God> knows. it. <laughs> no, all we know is for sure that Pablo Fornals will play and he plays his best football against bigger sides because he works hard. Jared Bowen... I think fans of other teams think he's better than fans of West Ham do. Mm. He's been, he's been very good. He's been a solid seven out of 10. If you had to rate his whole time at West Ham. Uh, yeah. I, I think given, given the the team we've got, the players we've got left on this threadbare squad, I think we'll go for a point as much as we can. And obviously, you know, Tuchel's made you defensively solid, since he's come along as well, uh, so I'm, I'm all for a draw. I think we'll we'll be more than happy. Like you mentioned earlier on about no fans in, David Moyes will be more than happy to, you yeah, know, keep keep as long as we're defensively sound. Dawson's had a shocker last week. I think Ogbonna Cresswell might be back this week. Not sure Masuaka as well, perhaps. But I think we'll go into the game more than happy to take a point, mate. To be quite yeah, honest,
1: I'm just thinking, will if if Mark Noble and Jorginho both play in midfield, you've possibly got. The slowest midfield ever seen in football since the Titanic
0: hit the iceberg. Oh, chit, whoa, whoa! You're hating him again. Shush. What, Mark Noble? Hey, Noble.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> can can Noble. I just ask, you, is Martin likely to be in goal? Because you'll win easily if he is. Nah.
4: David Martin. Yeah, yeah. You're I joking, know. aren't you? I thought you meant Martin Wickham, who's on <laughs> <Williams. laughs>
2: We'd probably yeah. do a better job, mate. But no, yeah. well, a fact I'm about a foot shorter and fat <laughs> might be a bit of a problem. But there we go. Yeah, David Martin, because of Alvin's son, learn it. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a legend.
4: I was at, you know what? I was in the press box for that game, and it was about two seats along from me that he came up and hugged his dad, and I was there trying to be impartial, just crying my eyes out, just so emotional about it. But uh no, no, I d I don't think he I don't think he'll be in goal. Fabianski had a bit of a stinker last week, of course, but um yeah, no. Lucas has been absolutely outstanding this season, so I think we'll be all right with him. I don't, well, I, don't I don't I just think we'll, we'll I'd take a draw. I'd right yeah, take right. a draw and so would Morris. We'll,
1: we'll stick a number on it. Stick a number. One one, two, two, nil nil.
4: I've gone Chid, you you heard me the other night, I've gone 0-0. I just we haven't had a 0 nil for absolutely ages. Yeah. And uh, I think we've got one in us. So, yeah, I, I mean, you had one you a right, teams, the other night, you? didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, but I think this one would go defensive. <laughs> so you had one the other night. I'll go nil-nil no, again.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I've got one more question. I should have asked you this earlier, but it suddenly occurred to me because I've been talking to a, lot, a few West Ham's about uh, fans about this. But I have this theory, right, that West Ham have done really, really well this season because they haven't had any fans in the ground. They're probably the only club that have done better this season without the fans because I know how much you lot get on their case do you think that's true?
4: Yeah. Well, look, I said this. And Chidge, I don't want to like throw you under the bus here, but I know you were right, on mate. BBC
1: London the other night. And you were on and tonight, uh, weren't you? No, I, know. I, I saw tonight. you. I watched it because you told me you were going to be on. Mate. I was on <laughs> twice this week, though. Don't uh, well, let that be look,
4: forgotten. You get the trump card there. But no, I was on earlier tonight and it was a bit that got cut out. But I got asked the same question then. And it's an unpopular opinion among West Ham fans and hopefully there won't be many of them listening to this (laughs) tonight, but yeah, I, I definitely think, I definitely, I, I, I definitely think that West Ham players have played better without the fans, but I also think none of the fans who were getting on their case before can be blamed for it. And that's not just because I'm a, you know, I do a podcast and blah, 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 because any team who played like West Ham were playing after being promised better football to be stripped away from your spiritual home any group of fans west ham chelsea liverpool arsenal any group of fans in the world would react in the same manner so i think yes the players not having the fans getting on their back quite as regularly as was happening before has meant that we've performed better on the pitch but i also think any of those fans who were giving the team grief Beforehand cannot be blamed in the slightest because the football was terrible and we'd all been sold an absolute duff promise. Mm. So, yeah, there's a as a as a little
1: well, fair enough. Ade- that's a, 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 to I, that. I, I expect nothing less from you. Will complete honesty uh, and transparency. If if only our club owners were like you. Uh, we would exactly, all be mate. in a much better place. 50 plus
4: one, Chidge. Oh, no, mate, one, bring it on. Forward. Yeah,
1: we were, we were talking about that before we had you on. And I totally agree. Well, um I, I would always wish you good luck with everything, but I can't tomorrow. So uh, from right, Sunday, mate. I shall be wishing you pleasantries and good luck as always. But it's really been lovely to get you on the fancast finally because you're always good value. And uh, hopefully you and I can uh, enjoy a beer or three when all the lockdown nonsense is properly over.
4: 100%, mate. Let's definitely do that. It's
1: yeah, been a pleasure. Absolutely. Will. Good to see you. Uh, And uh, we are going to have a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to tell you our view of uh, what we think is going to happen in the West Ham Chelsea game.
2: Real fans, real opinions.
1: I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys. On the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total Nutters and Proper
0: Chelsea. Football Fancast.
1: Welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast Friday night preview show with me, Stanford Church. Mr. Wearing a a remarkably beautiful uh, and quite acidy, really, Diego Costa shirt, Mr. Jonathan Kidd very much um i love you on the show Thanks. see my see
0: my t-shirt it's a poor cannibal sabutio yes
1: yeah. yes love 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 Canners hate racism as i have a kind of you know i got my little little nephew one of these as well he's so chuffed man because he remember he met you know when i took him you because i took, yeah. I, took him, I took him to meet you to, i gave him yeah. the grand tour of a like a, a day in the life of chidge at the football uh and uh and uh, he met canners, and he he loved that. So it was really sweet to get my shirt. Anyway, enough of me prattling on. Great to see Jonathan as always. We've also got the lovely Martin Wickham on the show.
2: Good evening, nice to
1: And the ever so knowledgeable and effusive Mr. Adam Newson from Football at London.
3: Thank you for letting me stick around, guys.
1: Always a pleasure, mate. Lovely to see you actually as well. Um, right, before we get into previewing the West Ham game, just a quick reminder that our next football prizes competition. Uh, which will finish next Wednesday at seven thirty p.m. Uh, is an absolute biggie. Again, it's uh, it's a John Terry signed and a kind of themed framed uh, shirt, and it's absolutely it's a thing of beauty. So I urge you. I mean, only it's six pounds forty-five p for a ticket to enter the draw. They usually sell about ninety-nine tickets, I believe. So you can't. You know, if you snooze, you lose. So you need to get on this quick because the other week we had a Mason Mount one and. The, they had to do the draw on the Monday because the tickets had all been sold. So don't hang around. If you really want one, if you want a chance to win it, get on it now. You know, so don't wait until it's too late. But it's six pounds forty-five for tickets. So it's a big, it's a really big frame, this one. It's bigger than the ones they've been doing recently, which is why it's a bit more pricey. And you can get a chance to win that. Uh if you want to know where to enter, the uh I have a tweet pinned to the at Chelsea Fancast Twitter page which has the link uh, which will take you straight to their website where you can go and buy a ticket. Uh, And I've already got a message from Daryl, the lovely Daryl Middleditch. He's, I'm in. Good man, that's what we like to hear. Right, now, on with the West Ham uh, Chelsea preview. And uh, as always, I am the harbinger of doom, as these boys know, only too well. Um, But actually, in the case of West Ham away, this is not without uh, some substance, I have to say. We, We have a pretty dodgy... Record against a team that, frankly, we should always thump. But they—I they, don't think they like us very much. so They always make a habit of turning up, don't they, Martin? But we've—you yeah. know—we lost three-two to them last year. Um, we drew nil-nil the year before that. We lost one-nil the year before that, uh, and we lost two-one the year before that in the in the. Uh, well, actually, yeah, it was the year before in the in the in the um, uh, the League Cup. So we don't tend to do too well in their manner, do we, Mark?
2: No, and for the reasons we've already said, they do play up for the occasion. Although the the three-two loss last July was pretty much self-inflicted. That's absolutely infuriating. It's a last-minute goal because everyone just decided to stop defending for the last ten minutes. Um, I, th- I think we've won one game in total at the London Stadium since they moved over there. Certainly, only I can only think of one. It was in the. Conte title winning season. 2017,
1: 6th of March, uh, yep. 2-1.
2: Yeah, yep. couldn't see it because you're a fucking mile away from the pitch. But... is that the one where what? it got a bit naughty? And they were bouncing on the... Uh... No, that was the League Cup defeat. Uh, that's right, yeah,
1: that's right. The yeah.
2: the, the, the league win, uh, Hazard scored up there in this big fucking... Ball stereotype got out and then he started confronting him. but by, by the time he got to got to the pitch side, he was too knackered to say anything because he'd run a hundred meters to get there. That's
1: right, prime prime West Ham gammon.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think I, I remember at the time. Claret remember, and you know, more claret. I think I there was a I put a tweet out of a picture of of the whoever it was he got nicked and it was done one of those spoof Twitter profiles, you know, West Ham England, love my kids, Brexit means Brexit, the lot. It was yeah he, he was a walking stereotype. Yeah, this is the club
1: yeah. of Alf Garnet. Let's let it not be forgotten very true exactly um so the other thing, Jonathan, as you know, I am a harbinger of doom. Which is why I have you lovely people on. You know, I can't, I can't make it so. I, you know, I have to be the negative voice on the on the show, and I leave it you always, to be happy.
0: But been correct. You were correct about West Brom. You
1: I know. To... I, I, well, you know, even a bloke a broken a bloken a broken clock is wrong <laughs> twice a day. Anyway, I was I right like twice bloken. a day. Um, I think nice. I'll, I'll shut up. I'll quit while I'm behind. Um, There's another reason why this needs... Actually, similar vein to West Brom. Funny you should mention that. I have here in front of me a piece of paper in a Neville Chamberlain style. I have here
0: in front of me a piece of paper.
1: It says, Thomas Tuchel is aiming to become the only Chelsea coach to remain unbeaten in his opening 10 away matches across all competitions. This is the point where I go, oh, shit.
2: That's fucked
1: it. See, Martin's like me. There speaks a long-term supporter (laughs) of Chelsea Football
2: Club. (laughs) A A a legacy fan. That the is amount our legacy, t- Martin. <laughs> it's, worse since, it's worse since bloody lockdown because every time I'm tell you, I've just shouted, shut the fuck up and Dan Fletcher <laughs> several times over for doing shit like well, that. Well, mate,
1: I, I do that as a matter of course, but I, I do take before, before he even starts oh, speaking. Indeed. So there you go, JK. Um, I mean, the reality is, look, let, let's put it in some better perspective, perhaps, is that Tuchel, in fact, since he's been at Chelsea, has done far better away than he has at home. I, I do wonder if that, that the, the the jeopardy in that is that West Ham will play this like an away game uh, like like Will was saying really that they will probably play 5-3-2 and they will try and hit us on the counter and we don't do very well against that so you know there is that possibility but I hate those little I, ha- I wish people wouldn't write that stuff
0: but I think I think Antonio is a very important player for them, and seems to work much better for the uh, he's good against us counter attack. Yeah, he's all, well, yeah, he's good against lots of other teams as well. And him, he's not playing. I think it's a huge blow. Well, they've
1: Bryce, got, and Rice
0: and Rob, but also uh, but Suchek is a very dangerous player because he's very tall. That's why I think we might see Alonso playing just because uh, for the height factor, because um, Suchek gets lots of headers. I don't... In. But be team. honest,
2: I wasn't what little I was paying attention to the Brighton game. They no, he didn't didn't me much no, but so. no, to, be,
0: to be fair, they all played badly. True, so, uh, it was it was a desperately dreadful performance, and I think they did very well to, to, to stay in it to get the one point. Um, but no, I, I agree completely. There, West Ham just seemed to be that kind of um, um, that, that team who do something different, you know, and I, I. I, I I was I was pleased actually to have a normal conversation with the West Ham fan, um, with Will, because normally all the West Ham fans I speak to hate us. And and you know, and uh, and it's it's very impossible to have a um... Will, Will was handpicked, mate. Yeah, thank goodness <laughs> for that. Yeah, they they all think we're he
1: had to, he had to go through a very long application process. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you had to interview him for well, hours. Well that's why
1: if... I said to him, Did his mate Tom come on the boat? You know, if it had come on the boat, nobody from that podcast gets on the show. It's that simple. <laughs>
0: I understand. But no I I uh, the the number of times that they've they've done us when we've been in form. Um, uh, they they seem to raise their game phenomenally against us and uh, but but you know the 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 positive observer of the way that Tuchel has got the team playing if they play and they're focused and they get the ball out of defense in exactly the same way they've been doing as they did against Porto and they did against Man City will win easily.
1: Hmm. Adam um, you know, I normally do a um, a lineup, but I, I've just been a bit all over. I mean, this week's been so crazy. I think it's addled my brain. And I, as you know, I, the first running order I sent to you still had last week's Man City bit in for this bit, which is proof that the brain has finally gone to fudge.
2: But would, would have made the predictions a lot easier. It would have enough. made the predictions a lot yeah. easier.
1: But I normally do a little. I've, <laughs> I've discovered this stupid app called Lineup, so I've now kind of like got really into doing a lineup,
0: which I then send us a photo and put so it to the run. Running- they name them, Chidge. You just like looking at little figures. You just like I love it.
1: It's like, it's like kind of like 21st century cebutio for me. I, I get a bit of a hard-on for it. But anyway, I didn't this week, uh, but I know you lot do at uh, Football London. And, and I often, actually, it's quite interesting. Quite often, you and I and Sam all, all pretty much pick the same one. Um, so I'd be very interested to know from you what lineup you have selected. I'd be very interested to know from you what Tuchel said in the presser, because I missed it. But what, what I'm really interested about is what you think of Kepper starting two games in a row, which he has done, and if you think he might start the third one in a row. No, he said many he won't. Okay, that's, that okay. was in the presser, was it? I didn't yeah. see the presser yeah. today, so I'm at I'm a disadvantage. I was he being interviewed the, he by... Put, he I was put being Man inter- City's team sheet in. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, no, I was being interviewed by Premier League Productions in my back garden uh, talking about the wonders of Eden Hazard, so I had better things to do. Anyway, I digress.
3: Adam? Yes, no, Edu Mendy's starting. I can confirm that. Um yeah i think we'll see the usual suspects so as people start because he didn't in midweek we'll see Rudiger on the left of the defense who starts in the middle is probably a big question Thiago silva is trained today or has trained um but with real madrid to come maybe you give him that game off and play christiansen uh, or zuma for the aerial prowess that zuma has against suchek as jk mentioned um, midfield you'll see Kante Jorginho Kovacic isn't going to play and Billy Gilmore isn't allowed to play uh, for reasons we're not 100% sure of um, I don't know who will start at wing back obviously Reese James has done really well uh, really well on the right but I have a feeling we might see hudson Um just because Reese has played a start the last three I think it is now uh, on the left yeah it will be one of Alonso or Chilwell I kind of think it will be Chilwell The front three is really hard to predict. Um, And I had this trouble doing the predicted 11. Obviously, Mason Mounts played loads and loads of football um, and does need to be rested. Kai Havertz, again, is West Ham away, the sort of game that Kai Havertz is going to thrive in, potentially. But maybe we'll see Oli Giroud, given the game. Um, And then, yeah, on the left, it's a toss-up between Pulisic or Werner. I have a feeling it might be Werner, Mm -hmm. even though I don't necessarily think West Ham away would be a game that suits him.
1: I mean, it's really it's interesting what you say about Mount, and I kind of agree. Uh, but the, uh, that, that, for me, segues very much into, do you think Tuchel will have one eye on Madrid? Because he certainly did that when we played Porto, didn't he, in the previous league game. He cannot do that against West, West Ham. This is a six-pointer, a must-win game. And he needs to realise that.
3: I mean... Yes, I I don't think he can, but I think he might just because there are players, the squad is big enough to pick a good 11 with a few changes. And I was also having this debate earlier with somebody. I mean, given the short-termism at Chelsea and for Thomas Tuchel, what's arguably more important for his longer-term reputation? Because the reality is, you know, he'll, things will go wrong for him at Chelsea at some point, And then the likelihood is he gets sacked. Is it better for him to put his eggs in a Champions League basket and get a potential Champions League win on his CV? Or is it better to do the long term thing and try and get Chelsea into Champions League next next season? It's genuinely an open debate and I'd be interested to see what you guys think because in my mind if Tucker was being selfish about it, it would actually be better for his career if he can get to another Champions League final.
1: I mean it's very I'll answer it first, because I'm not going to really answer it. But I think I think it's really interesting that Actually, this is this is an argument that's often thrown supporters' way, which is, would you rather finish fourth in the Champions League or win a trophy? And we all say, nah, pff, fuck off, trophy every time. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what what if Tuchel will be in alignment if that is the case with supporters. But uh, Jonathan first, and then Martin, what do you boys think?
0: Uh, yes, we're getting to even just getting to the final, I think beating Madrid would be phenomenal and just getting to the final would be sufficient to have his contract extended. Um, but uh, I think he'll attempt to do both. And I think he'll do man management tomorrow and play uh, a weaker side. Um, but uh, uh, I think, as you say, I think the, uh, the squad is strong enough um, to be rotated and still put in a decent shift. I think they could win. By playing, we don't even know who is going to play up front. We all thought Pulisic would play during the week because he played so well before. During the uh, and he didn't play didn't he didn't play at all in the um, uh, in the game against um, uh, Brighton. So um, I mean, in fact, I I do a I do a, um, I, I do a, a, a sort of um, what you call it. We 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 are I've got a, on a WhatsApp where we we try and predict the side, and much like with Ranieri, we fail completely every single time. <laughs> um, so. Uh, um, uh we, we, we Kepper was Kepper fooled us in the last one, but also the, uh, the forward lines we just thought that we, we thought that Havertz would play we thought it would be the same the same forward line as played the played in the Porto game but it's just because um they seem to be doing pretty well together um and sorry in the city game but um and then he picks Werner and then he picks Zaych again then he doesn't pick Zight and then um it, it's it, it I, I don't think it's a question of him not knowing what he wants. I think it's a question of, he does look at, he does analyse the opposition and try and work out strengths. Um, he doesn't just sit back and say, we're going to play the ball out of defence and play it up there and boot it up. It, it's all worked out. He pushes their players to the wings, as he did in both Porto games and the Atletico game. It was at the, It is pressing, is very, is is specifically designated for sides he plays against. He thinks about this. So, um I think as long as they're all all reading from the same hymn sheet, to use the, the uh, analogy of, um, of songs that he, he keeps going on about, they all need to learn the right song, uh, there should be enough decent players to come into the side to deal with West Ham and also to then have the best side he wants for Real Madrid, which might mean Kante doesn't play. It might mean that um, uh, um, he keeps Silva for, for next week. Um, it might mean that he can then choose the team he wants for the real madrid who are supposedly the best side but also be the best side to deal with real madrid so i think personally he's thinking about um both um fourth finish and getting to the final and i think he's capable of getting the team to do that hmm. so i don't know whether, whether that answers your question Chid. because no it which, does i no. like i think both i think yeah wants, no that's he's, a great he's capable of doing both Chid,
1: that's a, it's a great answer
2: jk what do you, what do you think martin Tend to agree. Um, I think the Fulham game's more at risk between the two legs of the Madrid game. If he yeah. if he is going to start getting clever with the lineup, um, think. Look, I'm, this is kind of your next question, so I apologise, but the key is to avoid losing this game because we're ahead of West Ham as it stands. Don't lose. Yeah, be lovely to First win. First thing you must do is not lose. Exactly. So it's in our hands if we don't balls it up against West Ham and Leicester. Um, so yeah, avoid defeat. We can't play as badly as we did against Brighton. There was other factors going on there, and everyone's prepared to write that off. But I think Pat Nevin gave the game away. Said, look how, f- if you want to know how well Chelsea are going to be, see what position the wing backs take early on. Brighton they barely moved, so mm. they need to, that needs to improve tomorrow. And we'll see once the lineups in how how they go. I mean, if West Ham feel they have to win. And they're less likely to sit back, which may open up opportunities. Well, and I mean, sorry, not but- having Antonio, Rice, Dawson et al. C- can only help us, but we can't write them off because. They, every every time I've, I've as I've said for years that West Ham and Everton are a bookie's dream because I can't get their results no, right. No, so we, I'm not even going to.
1: Well, I mean the the best result I've had this season in the Premier League predictions league that you are basically leading of the fancast contingent, Martin.
2: Uh, only by one point.
1: Oh uh, really? To to yeah. to whom?
2: To Marco. Marco. Yeah, God, he's caught point. you up again. I've had an absolute shocker. You I've... did You
1: did this week. I mean, I did all right, yeah. actually. I got I got the bonus. No, I did okay,
2: but I think Marco doubled, doubled his score. He did very well. Marco did very well, yeah.
1: Marco did very well. I did pretty good this week. I actually got the bonus points for the quickest goal. But I'll let you into secret. The only reason I chose Villa was that I did it on my phone. You left it from the week before. No, no, I did it on my <laughs> phone, and my phone wouldn't let me choose anybody else weird hmm. but there you go look coding bug but don't complain no i'm not complaining because it earned me an additional 36 points that i probably didn't deserve but um i'm third by the way now i'm i'm behind you and you and marco but i'm doing uh, you know I'm, i i am the crystal palace uh, of the premier league predictions league anyway um, i'm but, having the jaws
0: theme yeah, yeah the <laughs> well
1: it won't, it won't last
0: In my west brom
1: uh you're not quite sheffield united but you're not not you you know there's, there's a little bit of hope for you, Jake. There's always a little bit of hope for you, you know. Always. In always.
0: Every, in every area of my life. Yeah, anyway,
1: you. um, Martin's point make. Martin makes a valid, valid point, I think, about the relative needs, Adam, for Chelsea and West Ham to win. What I would throw in the mix is that if I'm David Moyes, I'm looking at the run-in and I'm saying, well, uh, we've got Chelsea at home tomorrow. Then we've got Burnley away, Everton at home, Brighton away, West Brom away, and Southampton at home. Whereas Chelsea have got Fulham at home, City away, Arsenal at home, Leicester at home, Villa away. So what I'm saying, if I'm David Moyes, is we can draw this lads and still make top four. It's they've got all the hard work to do.
3: Yeah, I think that is probably how David Moyes will look at it. Um, yeah, Chelsea's running running isn't very nice, and. It concerns me that, as we said, you know, if we don't win tomorrow, then we've got the the Fulham game right in the middle of the Real Madrid matches. We're, how big is the focus going to be on that? And yeah, I'm concerned uh, for Chelsea's running. The, the The one saving grace potentially is that Manchester City may have the title wrapped up, and if that's the case, they may not be going at that going at it that hard at that point. Um,
0: on the other hand, you might want revenge for the semi-final. He may want revenge, yeah.
3: So that's the negative way of looking at it. Was
0: pleased to talk Why Yola hated that?
3: No, I loved his post-match press conference. He got into an argument with somebody about things, which I thought was very funny. Um... He doesn't
1: like doesn't like losing to Chelsea at all. He's very, he's very prickly, he, and it's he doesn't a... like losing.
3: It's yeah. you know, it's a good thing, obviously. But I don't but... think he's ever,
1: he's never liked Chelsea, Adam. It goes back to the Barca days when we used to quite often give him a bloody nose under
3: Mourinho. Yeah, potentially.
1: And De Matteo. And Di Matteo of course, yeah.
3: But um but yeah, I I think Chelsea i personally think Chelsea have to win tomorrow. Mm. I think they have to I think they have to. I think they have to put that distance between them and West Ham. And obviously Liverpool, Liverpool are what is it 2 points behind, so and seemingly they're getting back on the right track. So um Well, oddly
1: yeah. oddly Adam Liverpool are are basically seventh, although they're equal with Spurs who are on fifty-three points in six, but they've got a the reason why they're seventh and not sixth is that their goal difference is plus seventeen, whereas Spurs is plus eighteen. Yeah. I mean the reality is it's very, very bunched. I mean Leicester have got a little bit of clear water having won the other night. They're now fifty-nine points. We're on fifty-five with a goal difference of plus nineteen. West Ham are on fifty-five with a goal difference of plus eleven. Spurs six fifty three plus eighteen, Liverpool seventh fifty three plus seventeen.
2: So we're well, now playing Leicester twice in a week.
1: I know that was always going to happen, wasn't it? I yeah. I love the fact that our Leicester game that was scheduled for three o'clock on Saturday the fifteenth has been moved to be replaced by Leicester in the FA Cup <laughs> final at uh, five thirty. Sadly, <laughs> five thirty on, on the fifteenth. But yeah. that was always going to happen, wasn't it? But um, I mean, you know, the bottom line is, is that you know Liverpool in seventh could win and Spurs, uh, you know. They could go third. I mean, it's it's just so bunched up. Three, two points between fourth and seventh. That kind of tells you why. And we've been saying this for weeks. What will win, what will get us into top four will be consistency. I'm I'm sure. Even though you look at some of those games, uh, I mean, you know, Liverpool have got Man United uh, in a week's time. But you know, anything can happen. I mean, Liverpool could lose to West Brom. They could lose to Burnley. They could lose to anything. Can happen. You know, so the, the the side that is consistent, or consistently not getting beaten, I think will will worm their way into it. I think it's going to go down to the last day myself. I really do. This is not going to be decided over the next couple of games.
3: No, I agree, um, and I think Tukle agrees with you. He said in his press conference today about. I did tell him. I tell him. I told him you yeah. got you
1: got to agree with me, Tommy T. Otherwise, there'll be trouble, mate. I'll bin all my. I'll burn all my craftwork albums. <laughs>
3: No, he, you know, he, he did spin the manager line of, you know, it's going to be every game as it comes. We can't look too far ahead. It's impossible to predict. But while all these are cliches, they're pretty much bang on for the situation that Chelsea are in at the moment. Um, and yeah, I, I just think I just think we, as in Chelsea, have to put uh, a gap between them or try at their very best to keep a gap just to, to give them that wiggle room in case there is a poor result. Down the line against a city or a Leicester, they just have they have to just try and keep that gap.
1: Right, fair enough. On that point, well, we'll start with you then, Adam. What's your prediction?
3: Uh, I'm going to go one nil Chelsea. Awful game.
1: One nil Chelsea. Awful game. It's just like I, I I should have said this earlier, but you know I I love the irony on Tuesday of a really disappointing, utterly shit nil nil against Brighton. This is what we were fighting for. Yeah. Oh, the right yeah, to yeah. have a shit, disappointing nil-nil draw at home. Our right Brighton. to
2: drop points at home to a team absolutely. we should be able to beat and play awful in the process. But that is what—that is yeah. what it should be. That, that is what it should be. Domestic I... competition and trying to act like you're above that is just pomposity no, I mean, of that's the highest order. Absolutely,
1: door, what it's about is brilliant. Anyway, so one-nil shit game. I like the fact that you've given us added commentary on that. Not not just <laughs> for the one one-nil shit game as well. I like that,
2: Martin. What about you? Chelsea, less shit game.
1: Okay, I love your optimism. Not sure if I share it, but we shall see.
2: (laughs) Jonathan?
0: Uh, 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 2-0, good in the first half, shit in the second.
1: Yeah, Okay. I I, I really don't know where to go with this. I have to say that my... I don't think I've predicted it on the Premier League Predictions League, so I'm not held to ransom like I usually are on a Friday. But I I have a suspicion it's going to be a draw. And I said so on Tuesday with with Will and and, and James on the We Are West Ham podcast. I I don't think it'll be nil nil. I think it'll be one one, and it'll be tense and horrible. And I shall be in a foul mood by the end of it. That's my prediction. So there uh, you go. <laughs>
3: on that, really, wouldn't happy necessarily note. think you're wrong.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I I think that's just kind of typical, isn't it? You know, it's it's like. One one does nobody any favors whatsoever, so it's like the, probably the most frustrating. I mean, unless it's nil nil, which would be possibly. Be, I mean, like Will says, um, but I, I think it'll be one one. Um, so there you go. So it won't do us any favors, and then of course we've got Real Madrid on Tuesday to deal with, which will be very interesting
2: indeed. Unless they get, unless they get slung out of the Champions League. Well,
1: do you think? I mean, do you think uh, that's? No,
2: I don't think that's going to happen. It's wishful thinking. No, it would be not, fucking not this... funny if it happened. <laughs> They're
3: not. It's not going to happen this season. But uh, Alexander Seferin said today that basically if they if they want to continue being in the Super League, and obviously as we said earlier, they haven't pulled out. He's basically said, unless you pull out, you are going to be in this competition. You're not going to be in the European competition under your wafer. So make your decision, um, which could be very interesting. Yeah,
1: it is indeed. Well, there we go. What will be equally interesting is what happens uh, tomorrow at half past five. Um, which I'm sure we'll all be watching wherever we are in the world. Um, and before that, if you are a member of the Chelsea Supporters Trust, uh then of course you can toddle along to our uh, I mean I think that all of the trust meetings are extraordinary, I have to say, but this one will be <laughs> this one will be extra extraordinary for obvious reasons. But we're having one at three o'clock tomorrow. Uh on Zoom. Three o'clock on a
2: Saturday as it should yeah, be. Yeah, <laughs>
1: proper proper time for an EGM. Uh you know, that's what that's what the game's all about, three o'clock EGMs. <laughs> Anyway, we're having an extra, ex, extraordinary general meeting at 3 o'clock tomorrow. It'll be on Zoom. If you're a member, you should have already received your invite to it. And I think I think it's limited to 1,000, largely because of the, the technology with Zoom. So and we have many more members than that. So make sure you, you get in there early. We, we may hold another one if we can't fit everybody in. But uh, do turn up to that if you can. It's very, very important, I think, in terms of where we go next with this. So... Uh, if you want to turn up to that, I shall see you in there. Otherwise, enjoy the game, and we'll be back to talk nonsense about it on Monday. Um, in fact, uh, we'll be joined, JK, by the ever-so-lovely Dane Whittle and the ever-so-brainy Joe Tweeds, who is now the star of stage screen and everything on Twitter, certainly. So.
0: Well, I think we just, as usual, just sit back and... We'll have
1: the night off, mate.
0: Plug Joe in and that's it. Yeah, we'll have the
1: night off. be perfect, wouldn't it? I mean, i tell you what, I've had a couple of these beers tonight. Bloody hell, it's kicked in. Well done. What is it I'm drinking? Breaks Beers Oxford Gold. This show has been sponsored tonight by Breaks Beers Oxford Gold, and I recommend it.
0: You almost have to have three on Monday, and then you won't need to speak at the I'll
1: be horizontal. What is it they say on those um, American uh, political adverts? Uh, what does the, the, what does the, they say, I, 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 I authenticate or something. Can, can anybody, I endorse, Thank I endorse you. this message. Yeah. <laughs> I, endo- I endorse this message. I am, I am Stanford Chid of the Chelsea Fancast, and I endorse this <laughs> beer. It's made this show better than it probably would have been. Uh, anyway, on that night, uh, on that point, sorry, we'll be joined, as I said, by Dane Whittle and Joe Tweeds. We'll be looking back at the West Ham match, we'll be looking ahead to Tuesday's massive, I mean huge match against uh Real Madrid a team that I've wanted us to play for so many years in the first uh semi-final first leg of the Champions League uh so there you go um Adam what a delight again we've we've we've, we've convinced you bullied you bribed you I don't know but we've managed to keep you here for an hour and a half rather than 20 minutes you're you're a trooper sir what can I say
3: Thank you uh, very much for having me as always, guys.
1: Yeah, of course, the, the downside on this is that Adam now knows I'm about to write an article for him after two um, <laughs> pints of Breaks beers, uh, pure whatever it was. So if you better, better check for typos tomorrow, mate. That's what I'm saying. You
3: can just send it to Sam tomorrow. Just send it to Sam.
1: <laughs> send it to Sam. Don't say a word. Just send it to him. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Brilliant stuff. Great to see you as always, Adam. We love having you on the show. We, we always Thanks love your, the insight you bring to it. Uh, Martin, you old trooper, great to see you too, mate.
2: Yeah, likewise. So, uh, it's good to be on, uh, off, coincidentally, after what happened this week. So I've got to uh, vent, yes, shall we say.
1: much needed. And uh, have you managed to find a pub yet? Because, I, I, you know, have you been in a pub yet?
2: Um, all the ones near me don't have space to open outside. Oh. So I've been to one on the occasions where I've been working in central London. I've managed to find one. Basically, mm. it's near Euston Station. Oh, which... the Euston Tap. Yeah, it opens out onto the road. It's a great pub, that. I've often, yeah, well. yeah, often, yeah,
1: often had a sup in there on the way back from the ways yep. and stuff. So I've, been yeah. in there and
2: a couple, so I've been in there for yeah. a few times. Good stuff.
1: Yeah, I was worried we were going to lose you on a Friday night because I thought you'd probably have somewhere better to be. So I'm kind of glad that we got you on tonight.
2: And they, they'll open just in time for the end of the season. So okay, don't I'll okay. have it out of my system by August. Duly
1: noted. Uh, all right, now finally, of course, an absolutely big big kiss and a hug to the legend that is Jonathan Kidd.
0: Well, 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 I'm being French.
1: What the, what? One, one, one. You enjoyed it tonight? Yeah, of course. Good, yeah, good, good. All right. Well, you and me will be back on Monday. Oh, good. So enjoy the game tomorrow. Eh?
0: Have a go, yeah. Yeah,
1: great stuff. Great to see you as always, JK. You've been brilliant as ever. Uh, Mixler people, you've been fantastic too. Always love seeing you in there. Fantastic. Right. Thanks for listening. See you next uh, Monday. We'll, uh, until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chill. Up the, Up the chill, yeah.